may help if I hit the right button. Uh, welcome to another episode of More Than Dice. I'm Gonzo. I'm John. And that's Damn. Nick. How's it going? <laughs> uh, Kathy is off today. She just got back from Gen Con. Um, and she is in the chat if you would like to say hi. But she just got back. Uh, so we're going to go with that. Um, can, I, can I interject, Gonzo? Mm-hmm. I want to point out, based on what she said in the chat room, you know how against licking brushes she is? Yes, they're going to lick a brush. She apparently got to lick one of the original Magic the Gathering playtesting cards. So she'll lick a playtesting card that's been through who knows what hands, but not a brush. That's weird, Kathy. Proceed. That's really weird. <laughs> uh, welcome to another episode. Uh, we are on episode 187. Today we're, uh, like I said, we have a special guest, Nick. Nick is here to talk about heavy gear. So we're going to be going over that. But before that, we got to do all the business. We want to make sure to thank uh, Muse on Minis for hosting our files and getting us out there for everybody. And a reminder, um, <clears throat> you can find us on pretty much any streaming platform, uh, any, um, pretty much any audio platform, period. Uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, if you want to, you can see the live versions on Twitch on Sunday, or you can go see the replays on YouTube or the replays on Twitch itself. Um, don't forget, John streams Sunday and Monday. Uh, and Thursday. Online. Oh, and Thursday. This, uh, this, oh, God, you can see this Thursday special. Uh, what is, I didn't have a chance to see any of your streams this week. So, you know, so Sunday morning is 9 a.m. to noon. Monday night is 7 p.m. to 10 or so. And so this Thursday, though, uh, last Thursday, I had challenged Big Knight, one of the guys I dropped with. He said he could put a rack five on a locust. I called bullshit. So he did it. And I told him, like, fine, if you get over 400 damage in that dang thing, I'll, I'll play it for an entire stream. <laughs> so this Thursday, I'll be playing a locust with a rack five. <laughs> Because he did manage the next day. He didn't do it the night, the night we dropped, but the next day he got 400 plus damage in it. So uh, that's where you go. He did also say I have an out. If I get 300 plus damage in it, I can uh, I can uh, stop playing it for the night. Switch out. So, yes. So that's coming this Thursday, eight to eight to nine thirty. Okay. Uh, I will be doing a Friday night stream. Well, I will be playing uh, Gloomhaven online with audience participation. Um, we will start that this Friday. Um, I'll probably be doing like 7 to 9 p.m. Central Standard. And uh, we will start it from very, very scratch where you're going to help me figure out my characters, help me figure out uh, the name of my guild, so on and so forth with audience participation. Um, this new machine can run it, so we're going to be doing that. Um, and then possibly streaming D&D on Tuesday nights i gotta make sure it's all clear from everybody that was there just to be on the safe side um but it should be okay uh other than that um john do we have any shout outs this week uh not that i'm aware of but again my there weekend was one active there was there a was one? oh god gee damn i feel terrible i feel like that was a week ago <laughs> i know um, it, it feels so weird but yes um norm mcdonald Norm McDonald did yes. pass away this week. Yes, rest in peace, Turd Ferguson. Uh, <laughs> he was super funny in that. And, it, and a story with that that people don't know is that he was originally supposed to be the idiot through all of them that ended up being the Sean Connery, uh, you know. Uh, it was supposed to be Burt Reynolds, you know, 
played by Norm Macdonald through the whole thing, but he ended up off of uh, uh, SNL before they could do that. So they had to switch over to the uh, the Sean Connery character to be the idiot through all of them. Well, the idiot, they were all idiots. The big idiot through all of them, let's say. <laughs> the recurring idiot. That's the best way of putting it. The recurring idiots. But yeah, I mean, they were both super funny, but um, I think Norm Macdonald, like, I didn't see him in a ton. I'm not a big SNL guy, but everything I saw him in, he was hilarious. And yeah. it's really sad. Yeah, he passed away. I don't think of anybody else right now off the top of my head. Not off the top of my head, no. Um, but, uh, guys, we do appreciate you listening. Make sure that you get your vaccine. Make sure that you definitely 100% uh, wear a mask. Be safe. Because we want to see you at HugCon 2022. So HugCon 2022. By the way, that's uh, Adepticon, Nick. Uh, we re- yeah, renamed it to <laughs> HugCon 2022. Um, well, I should be there, so. Yeah, there's a lot of people. I think I think it's going to be the great big first big con that everybody's going to be going to, in my opinion. Yeah. Not con wood type object. So, um, so let's get started. Nick, you are our guest. What are you having to drink tonight? Uh, I have some nice, finely for a couple million years aged water. Okay. <laughs> uh, John, what's on the menu tonight for your drinks? I think actually, knowing what I know, you should probably let us know what you're drinking first. Um, I'm doing the same thing as Nick, some million-aged water, because I am on medication now. I am on some Zithromax to get over this sickness, so best to stick with that good water. Well, apparently, as the uh, drunk of the group, I am (laughs) drinking uh, that Bird Dog uh, salted caramel whiskey mixed with uh, cream soda. I didn't have, couldn't get the vanilla cream soda, so it's just cream soda. Spoiler, it's probably better than the vanilla cream soda. It's pretty good. So, guys, like I said, please get your vaccine. Please wear a mask. Please be safe. We want to see you. Uh, Kathy's going to be drinking for all of us also. Or, uh, Captain Mizzy, excuse me, is going to be drinking for all of us. Uh, if you've got a drink that you're drinking, put it up in chat so we can see it. We can talk about it. Because uh, we always like seeing that. Um, guys? Cheers. Cheers. That's so good, Gonzo. I can't tell you. Man, that is like that. that it's so. Uh, hold on, I gotta do it again. Artisanal. Mm-hmm. Nice filtered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake! Y'all gonna drive me to drink more? <laughs> I, I mean that just it's just so you know so quenching. I feel so hydrated now, that, you know. I just got to keep on going. Wait, just one more. Just so good. I mean, if you want, I'll match a drink for drink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, above me is Nick. Nick, I've known. Damn, Nick, how like 15, 10, 15 years? Yeah, it's been about a ten or eleven. Something like that. I met Nick um, a long time ago at a game store. We played War Machine and Hordes together. It's kind of where we met up a bit. And Nick and I have traveled like, oh, a lot to a lot of different conventions, to a lot of different things, playing games. And him and I have always been playing stuff and uh, testing out games, you name it. Um, You'll probably see a long time, uh, quite a few, like, history posts on facebook it's me and nick driving to this me and nick driving to that 
so on and so forth. You, you and us getting rear-ended in Fayetteville oh, at like 11 o'clock at night. Man, that story, <laughs> that was amazing. It was like the Fast and the Furious. We got rear-ended, and the lady took off after she rear-ended us. And so Nick is driving to catch her to find her so we can get, like, license plate info and all that. And, man, it was like Fast and the Furious. It was it was so funny. Um we finally got her to pull to over. try and hide, and she pulled into the police station. Yeah, she pulled into the police station to try to hide. <laughs> and got out and bitched at us for stopping at a stoplight. <laughs> that was, yeah, I still have that. I'm sure I still have that post somewhere. Um, I've got it somewhere, too. It was hilarious. Um, but Nick recently has taken on a new role. So, Nick, what are you, what are you doing... Um, with this, because we are talking about heavy gear. What are you mm-hmm. doing with that? So, heavy gear is produced by a company called DreamPod 9. The actual company itself is based out of Montreal, Canada, started in 94. And over the years, that has, there's been a core group that stayed there the entire time, but they've been swapping out writers and artists and people like that. And it's my turn to go through the grinder. Um, <laughs> right now, I am the team lead on their new edition of their RPG, which is going into their fourth edition. Um, this is the third attempt at making an RPG. The other two ending in failure for various reasons. Um, I had the Heavy Gear RPG, so the original. So when we get to that, I have a lot of questions. So don't let me forget. Oh, yeah. Um, The previous editions, things just didn't work out. Part of it was licensed, and that group didn't quite finish it. There were some other issues. Long story short, this is the first attempt in-house to do it, because I'm actually working for DreamPod 9. Um, As part of overseeing that RPG, I'm also kind of one of the main people who does fluff and storyline advancement now, and I'm also the main public face in the U.S. side for the company, so I'm on Facebook, Discord, I get companies messaging me, I'm going to be at Warfare Weekend, all of that, and somehow that happened in the last year and a half or so. Yeah, because you'll be there, uh, VIGs get a special gift, and then we got some giveaways, but there will be a vendor at Warfare Weekend also. And you can get demos of the game uh, also. Yep. A uh, buddy of mine named Dave is going to be running a vendor booth there. He's going to have a demo table. We're going to have a bunch of stuff painted to show off. Um, mostly just going to be army boxes because this wasn't exactly a we planned this a year ago thing. So there just isn't time to get all the product to me that they would ideally like to. Because the company is in Canada. They're produced in Canada. And um, Canadian border travel is a little weird right now. Yes. Which so, I did talk about border travel. Uh, it's like nobody can get product to Australia right now for some reason. Um, yeah, no idea. Very, very weird. Australia is going flaky, and the UK has also gotten really expensive to ship to. Yeah. Oh, that's probably EU related, but that's not our topic. <laughs> we can go on for hours on that one. Uh, yeah. oh, I, I get to hear my boss bitch about it. Okay, so. Heavy Gear is a mech style. Let's go for the miniature game. Is what we're going to talk about first. Heavy Gear is a miniature style game um, with mechs, but not large mechs. So give us a, kind of give us. I know there's a huge history behind Heavy Gear, but give us the abridged version type thing about what Heavy Gear is. Sure. So Heavy Gear started back in '94 with an RPG. Um, and that RPG eventually morphed into a parallel miniatures game. The miniatures game is currently in what they call Heavy Gear Blitz, which is its second major defined incarnation, the previous version being called Tactical, and it's the third edition of Blitz. And it's a, if you've ever played Infinity, 
it shares a lot of similarities with Infinity, where we're talking a dozen to 15 models per side. There's action, reaction mechanics. It's about positioning, optimum ranges, and it's got some unique stuff, like um, our objective system's a little bit different than a lot of other miniatures games. And yeah, giant robots. Um, the giant robots in this universe aren't giants. Um, the average size is five to six meters. So pretty giant to me, being that I'm like one point seven. Well, it's, <laughs> it's not to us, but you compare that to say BattleTech. Oh yeah, where they're stupid um, huge. They're smaller than like a locust or something like that. We're talking like if you're familiar with BattleTech, like protomech size tops. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool because if you put the tanks next to the mecha, the mecha are called heavy gears or just gears for short. Um, the tanks are actually bigger than them, which is not normally how these kinds of things work. No, no. We were actually talking about that before the stream, how you said that it's uh, it's different than Battletech and all those other things where they end up making the mecha the king of the battlefield. Yeah, so if you think of Battletech, um, Battletech has infantry. It has conventional armor. But in the Battletech universe, those are largely relegated to second line and garrison units. You don't see a lot of highly well-equipped frontline units running armored vehicles and infantry formations, battle armor being the notable exception. So you get this pecking order of infantry goes to vehicles, you've got artillery, aircraft, and then mechs are the top of, of, the, of the pile right there. In heavy gear, that's turned a little bit on its head. It's not that the mechs are at the bottom, it's they are an arm in a wider combined arms field. Think of how tanks and infantry and aircraft all work in conjunction with each other. You can't really argue that one's more important than the other because they all do different things. In heavy gear, the gears fall into that. So they are not this mech that goes in and just destroys armored vehicles by the score. In fact, if a gear is caught alone by a tank, the tank will absolutely kill it. Because the tanks have bigger and better guns and much heavier armor. So it does encourage a very combined arms play style, infantry, armored vehicles, gears, aircraft. You can literally buy air support from fixed wing aircraft, attack helicopters, fortifications, you name it. It's all in there. But the only thing we don't have is naval support. And that's just a, a scale thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's hard to add in any game. Uh, even Battletech put it in and then quickly no one used it because, let's be honest, we're not really interested in that. Um. So what what's the history behind the fluff history behind heavy gear? Because I know there's a ton of different factions. There, like any. So there's like seventy something books for the heavy gear universe. Good. Um, so there's tons of stuff out there. Um, the the sales pitch for the universe is we are set on a planet called Terra Nova, and Terra Nova is a former colony of Earth that Earth abandoned. The original plan with the colonies was that the colonies would eventually be used as resource hubs and population centers to ease the burden on the solar system that we have right now. It didn't work out quite that way, as quite as, as fast as people wanted. So there became a political movement in Earth that basically said, dump the freeloading colonists for doing this ourselves. So Terra Nova was one of those colonies that got dumped. Earth just said, bye, we're leaving, and left them to their own devices. Humans being humans, instead of uniting and trying to come up with a better society, this just turned into more squabbling and shooting at each other. What? Nah. I know, Not humans. Right? <laughs> the craziest thing ever. Um, little isolated outposts eventually became semi-self-sufficient city-states. 
these eventually banded together into larger nations and then those into larger power blocks. And the Heavy Gear games are all about the chronicles of this planet in about 1400 years after its ex, um, about after its um, first colonization and about 400 years after Earth abandoned it. So it's been a while. And it goes with all of the trials and tribulations that go with that. Earth actually came back, um, not as a friend. They didn't think that the uh, colonies they abandoned would take to them so kindly. So Earth has attempted to invade twice now. And it's just the drama of that planet. So Earth has tried to invade. Did all the factions like gear up together and say, no, get the hell off the planet? So the first time Earth went in, they didn't think that the local powers would do that. Um, the powers on the, on the planet are concentrated in the poles. Um, the planet of Terra Nova is a little bit closer to its sun than Earth. In addition to cutting their year to about seven-tenths of one of our years, the average temperature is also noticeably higher. The equatorial regions are what they call the Badlands. Think, think desert, basically. It's near uninhabitable desert. The southern pole, at its best, is semi-tropical. And then the north gets alpine with just a little bit of snow at the top. So civilization focused on the north and the south, and those were your two big power blocks. You have the north and the south being the two factions. When Earth showed up the first time, they're like, yeah, they'll just keep fighting amongst each other. They've been doing it for like 300 years. Um, turns out that they agree on one thing, and that is Terra Nova belongs to Terra Novans and not Earth. So eventually they were able to repulse the first invasion. Um, that was the dating system. The, because there's all these different planets, they don't use the same dating system because that doesn't make sense. You know, not every planet spins at the same rate or has the same definition of a year. So it's the Terra Nova year 1917 that Earth was defeated in. Um, we are set in 1950 and 1951. So that's been almost a generation ago. There's been another major war between the North and the South. That one got rather bloody. And Earth's back for round two. And they brought friends this time. Okay. So um, to... Before we get into the rules, I wanted to show, I did have a slideshow. You sent me a bunch of pictures of models. So we're going to be bringing those out. Um, the first we have on here, and of course, these are all painted. Oh, why is this auto? Uh, give me one second. Let me stop it from... Starting. I don't want it to start. I mean, it's already started. You need to stop it. Yeah. All right. So we'll go ahead and start with this one. You have the, this is the Peace River, uh, and these are now plastic because they originally were metal so, at one point. Yeah. So the and even then, the majority of the range is still metal and resin. Um, every miniature you see on screen is available in metal and resin. Still, the plastics came out for starter box purposes essentially. Um. I mentioned that this game plays 12 to 14 models. There's mm -hmm. more than 12 to 14 models on that picture. So that is a full standard size playable army with leftovers in a $65 plastic box. That's the intent behind them. So if you look at these and think, and eh, there's maybe a little bit of questionable detail, these are all available still in metals. The well, metals one thing, really um, I've actually put some of their put some of the models together um, and everything. And the one thing I like and what people were saying is like, the starter box is pretty much a full-fledged 75-point army for War Machine and Hordes or whatever that, you know, and you've got a large variety. It's not like I've got to buy this and like $400 worth of other stuff. 
Yeah, that. it's just the one box when you're done. Yeah. And you even have leftovers. Yes. Um, I think we figured this particular box up here, this is for the Peace River faction. Um, Peace River is a essentially a corporate-owned company. They're the largest weapons manufacturer on the planet, and they're officially neutral between the uh, other parties on the planet. They do maintain their own defense force because their outlying towns and mining areas tend to get rolled over in these world wars. <laughs> so they do maintain a pretty high-tech defensive army, and that's their stuff. Um, I think we figured that army you can build almost 250 points with. Um, an average game is 150. That's the recommended top-end size. Okay. Um, and they all come with pretty much all the parts to make all the variants. There is no weird, well, you only get one of this gun. So you've got all of it. Hey, hey Mouse Magic. Hey, We're talking so, about heavy uh, gear. I've asked, this is full miniatures, not board game. I know. I ask because some of them are on hex bases and some of them are on circle bases. Um, so the basing is flexible. Okay. There's a basing chart in the back, and it says you can do whatever you want. Um, I did see a comment in chat that uh, Dream Pond needs to stop adding rules to the book. Third edition came out, and it still has rules being added to it. Um, not quite. We had an FAQ, and we had a force compendium. So the core book for heavy gear, the rules are totally free. Um, they're available through DriveThruRPGs where we keep them. The third edition of the rules came out, and because of printing restrictions, um, we had to keep it to under 160 pages because once you break that point, that's a magic number in printing to up your shipping and production costs. And we wanted people to be able to afford to buy this thing versus if we went higher than that and included everything in one go. So the starter book had to have a lot of the extended model range cut out from it, and we... We made that known as soon as we knew that that was going to have to happen. Um, and it's, again, it's totally free rule book. Yeah. So it the starter the rule book only comes with the rules for the plastic starter box miniatures, which is all the stuff we're seeing here. Um, there's three factions and probably ninety percent of the range that's not actually represented in the book, and we just we had to do it in two. Other than that, it's just been FAQs mostly. Um, yeah. Turns I mean, out, right? If you're putting out right. free rules, who cares how many books it's in? It's free. Yeah. Well, some people like a physical copy. Oh, I, um, I, I, and I can appreciate that. I appreciate that too. But yeah, I mean, understand. I'd rather you have prop copies you can print physical copies of, understanding the industry. And I'd rather buy two smaller books than one giant book that is harder for everyone. Yeah. Bite sized purchasing, I think, is the way of the future. Our, um, the compendium book, I forget how many pages it is, but we printed it out and it weighs over a pound. Which is a pretty hefty tome. Yeah, you're getting into the uh, the uh, what was it the Hero System Fifth Edition Revised <laughs> rulebook. You ever saw that thing for Champions? That Hero System was ginormous. They had oh, yeah. to print it on different paper that weighed less per sheet, just so it didn't become unwieldy. Yeah, um, I prefer to avoid that. Two hundred and seventy-six pages on that one. If we were to roll it into the previous book, we'd probably shave about eighty off of that. So we're looking at a 360-something page book if we put it all in one go, which um, that'd be about a $70, $80 book if people want to buy a physical copy. And we are using a living rule set, so updates are expected. You don't want to spend 80 bucks on a rule book. And not then, hey, not if you can help it. And then we're planning, I think it's yearly is the plan for the updates. We're not 100% certain on that, but we're not going to dump random updates at random times. But, schedule you know, is definitely the way forward. People mm -hmm. like that. They like, oh, here's the update coming here. Let's uh, get everything going and then get ready for the update. I like yeah. that. 
Yeah, nothing's been formally announced yet. Internally, I think the discussion is about a year. So the first update, the rulebook came out in like May. First update would be around next May-ish. Uh, I have a physical copy from the last Kickstarter. So again, that's, you know, printing rulebooks and writing rulebooks is really hard to get everything in there. Yeah. We think we can get everything and then we have to put an FAQ out. Unfortunately, it's just... That's how it is. That's, that's the way it works. Day. That's um, the way it works. Yeah, I've got so the... Legionnaires has a question before you go, Gonzo. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, we just scrolled past it. Uh, he says, are the new models the same scale as the first edition models? Because he has a Mammoth and Five Hunters and is wondering. So, yes, so long as they're not the old Rafam models. So, Rafam, R-A-F-M, did some yeah. models previously that were 180, 187th scale. The current ones are 1144th, which is the DreamPod 9 produced ones. Um, so they should be? Uh, yeah, so his normal size, not the Mammoth, is about the size of one of the large GW paint pots. Yeah, yeah. That, we're still on that scale. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah, there hasn't been any scale change, and we try to keep it very much to scale. So if you look at things that are approximately the right size relative to each other, there's a little bit of selective scale manipulation in there but um, I mean, yeah you got to make it look cool and appropriate and i understand that but no looking at the at least the painted peace river guys here uh they look pretty good and it's all plastic um and yeah this is their starter box it builds a more it builds a, an army and a half essentially you've got all of the parts in the box for pretty much everything there's a few things that, that you can do with those that aren't included in the box but yeah, and it's it's fully stocked and ready to go. You could literally just stop there if you wanted to. Um, and, and it's it's sixty five bucks for that box. I like the proportions of these a little better. The Gonzo was putting together ones. I don't know what they were. The portions seemed a little more off. Yeah, I've so, got a picture of those. Uh, I've got that uh, those because I have the new coal version. Mm -hmm. We got them coming. Yeah. Um, um, so it's it's important to remember that scale wise, these are about four or five meters tall so the torsos tend to be very chunky with mm -hmm. squatter legs and kind of weird off proportions yeah i was thinking that when you mentioned the scale i'm like okay that actually makes a ton more sense because when you first yeah. put them together my only reference is looking over at maybe the, the battletech models or whatever i have and i'm like it's a little off but you mentioned the scale i'm like okay so it's really a lot less it's really more like a tag from infinity if you're going to go that route than it is an actual battle mech yes. yeah even a bit smaller probably depending on the tag Eh, probably about the same size. Tags aren't that big, but yeah. So the guy's in the chest. It's yeah, it's all good. The guy's in the chest. His he occupy the cockpit occupies most of the available chest. The head actually pops up into the machine's head, just mm -hmm. a little bit. And yeah, so that's your scale. And as you get bigger, they look a little more streamlined. But one of the things about heavy gear is it's it's the real robot mentality that these are machines. You have to have room for the actuators. You have to have room for the exhaust ports. That's what the black thing sticking out their backs are. Is those are all mm -hmm. the exhaust ports. Like you um, you got to have all of that to run. What physics? Now get that physics out of here. <laughs> uh, what's the special ability? Because I know each faction has like their own little quirks or whatever. What's kind of what the Peace River? Do you know what that is? So Peace River is um, electronic warfare, essentially. So uh, Heavy Gear, one of the things that's been added in versus the older editions over time is you can do stuff like hacking. You can actually hack an opponent's machine. Um, you can set up firewalls. You can even try and jam their communications. Peace River, almost all of their baseline stuff comes with the ability to do that. 
So this box set, except for the three big guys in the back, everything has the potential to do that. Normally, it would just be the little recon guys, which in this image, you can see the guy with the little radar dish on the t on the back right. Yes. So him and everything his size, which there's three of them in that back row. In any other faction, those would be the only ones who could do that. Peace Server just comes stock with it. Um, not quite every model has the ability to do it, but that trend of a slightly higher tech feel tends to go through the entire faction. These are, this is what I was, what I have, which is the, the new coal. Um, and, uh, these guys I like because Nick told me what they were and what's their special ability, Nick? So the thing about new coal is a lot of their stuff hovers, whereas a lot of other stuff uses wheels. So if you actually were to scroll back a picture, look at the heels of the, of the vehicles and you'll see little wheels back there. So they can actually kind of do this like roller jet derby thing around. New coal, a lot of their stuff hovers instead. So the guys on the left there, um, the cuirassiers, they actually have traditional wheels, but the guys in the middle, the chasseurs, which have the blue shoulder pads and rounded heads, they all hover and they move about 50% faster than everybody else does. Now they trade for it by being a little bit more fragile. And they have a couple of in-house hover tanks that are unique to them. They've got some big high-tech experimental stuff. Um, of all the factions on the planet, New Coal is the highest tech. Peace River puts better stuff in their average machine, but in terms of like hover systems and capabilities, the New Coal is just a little bit ahead of them. All right. Southern Army. Yeah, so South, um, this is one of the OG factions. Um, this is the entire Southern Hemisphere on the planet. If you're familiar with Heavy Gear, um, there used to be a video game back in the late 90s. Mm -hmm. This was These are the guys who were fighting. So the South is the no-frills faction. And while you might say, well, that means they have no flavor to them, they don't pay for any of these special abilities that anybody else has. So they tend to have a little bit more of a swarm feel to them. They also have a significant degree of um, generalization. So a lot of other factions, you can find specialist machines. In the South, everything can do everything to a certain extent. Uh, the big guys in the back of that image are called Cobras. They mount a better weapon suite to engage multiple different kinds of targets versus anybody else we've seen so far. Um, combine that, like I said, with a little bit more of a mass assault flare, and you get the south. Uh, CEF Army. They got some tanks. And some they really do. squat troops. Yep. Holy so, crap balls. That's yes. a nice tank. Yes, it is. So the CEF is the Colonial Expeditionary Force. This is Earth's military arms. This is what invaded the planet. Gotcha. Um, with the exception of the guy in the middle with the red shoulders, nothing in that is actually considered human by the CEF. The CEF uses um, gen um, vat-grown uh, super soldiers called GRELs, Genetically Recombined Expeditionary Legionnaires. It's an acronym. Um, they're like seven feet tall, purple, and like hyper um, muscular and trained to do a very specific task. The problem is they're not considered people by the CEF. <laughs> So they're the tank crews, they're the vehicle pilots, and they're just flung at the Terranovans. The CEF actually outtakes all of Terranova by quite a bit. Um, New Cole had a little bit of hover stuff and has some hover stuff on their gears. 
pretty much everything in the CEF hovers. I can't think of anything that doesn't right off the top of my head. Hover tanks, their mecha um, hover, they're all equipped with advanced laser weaponry from laser cannons to rotary lasers, um, rail guns. And yeah, they have a thing for tanks as well. Um, they actually, when they first invaded, did not have any combat walkers. They invaded entirely with traditional armored vehicles and kicked the crap out of the Terranovans because that's how this universe works. The giant robots don't just stomp the tanks. However, they did realize that, yeah, there's some value to these things. So they ended up making a few new ones and for round two have brought their own. The little guys up front are called flails. Um, it's a brain in a jar. <laughs> so when the, when the Grells get too old, instead of just offing them, they say, hey, you want an upgrade? So they pull the brain out and stick them in one of these things. The tanks actually have that too, and you can upgrade all the other ones to do it too. It's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, next is the Caprice Army. I thought this was interesting because it is very unique models. Yeah, so Caprice is actually another colony world that Earth has already conquered. And they went to them and said, hey, by the way, you're going to come along for this next invasion. And Caprice is, think Ghost in the Shell cyberpunk. Um, if you imagine those as Tachkomas, you have a pretty good general sense for what Caprice is about. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> little spider walkers and everything. Um, I mean, back when I started, they were called Fuchikoma, but that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Um, it basically, they're all spider walkers. Um, the cool thing about them is they're probably the new player friendly faction because they just, they have some innate abilities that other factions have to work for. The downside is their stuff isn't as customizable or as flexible. So in the long term, it evens out. So if you're just starting out, these guys are pretty cool. Um, to answer the question from Mo's Magic, yes, this is all plastic. Everything we've shown, shown off so far. However, all of it is available in metal and resin if you want. The sculpts are a little bit different. Um, I do bring that up because the south and the north ones, um, there's some differences in the sculpts there. Um, those were the first two plastics the company ever did. And if they were to go back and redo them, they would look a bit different. All right. Our next one is Northern Army. Yeah, so this is the north. This is the other half of the main powers on the planet. This is the northern polar hemisphere. Their whole shtick is their stuff tends to be very mission specialized. So they're going, um, in the process, they're also going to upgun wherever possible. So where a lot of factions will have, you know, I get a guy, he gets a bazooka. It's considered a light bazooka. Heavy gear uses light, medium, heavy for all of its weapons instead of weird, crazy names. Most factions would get a light bazooka. The North gets a medium instead. So they tend to get bigger guns, um, and their stuff tends to specialize. The back row there, the fire support guys, you'll notice that they, everyone else we've seen so far has had like field artillery on the back or crazy guns. These guys don't do that. It's, we specialize in doing one thing. Each different variant will do one thing. It can kind of handle itself in other scenarios, but it's all about putting the pieces together. They also have the deepest range in the game. And this is Utopia. So that is almost the entire Utopia box. I think it's 36 models. Dang. Holy crap. Um, say hello to the Swarm Army. So Utopia's shtick is that only the actual combat walkers have people in them. The rest are all drones. So you have, like, 
one or two people in the mecha and then like an army of drones following them around. The drones are actually uh, minor AIs. They develop personalities. Um, so like there's a couple fluff stories of them arguing with each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they, they, they're imagine if you put like, okay, the dog can talk. It's about that level of intelligence. And yeah, they're, they're the storm army. Um, they have a lot more advanced weaponry. Model for model, they're some of the best in the game with their combat walkers. Whereas the drones are just expendable cannon fodder. They need to hang around the big guys or else they lose a lot of their abilities. Um, there's no squad coherency in heavy gear. It's all individual models moving around. But there is a thing called formation where you're encouraged to be within six inches of your boss. If the drones ever leave that, they have some serious problems. They're designed to work with, hey, the, uh, the controller. Um, it's also cool because they, they have a super heavy tank called the Gilgamesh. Um, it's one of the smaller ranges in the game. But it's kind of nice because it's a very compact range. There's almost no dead weight in it. All right, so that was all the models. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hide that. Uh, let's talk about uh, mechanics because I played a game with you, tested a game, and we watched the game and everything. And the mechanics, uh, I think, is what was really where this this shines more than anything right now. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, the comparison before is, if you've ever played Infinity before, um, it is an action-reaction style game. So, when it is your turn, you will pick a squad, you will go with that squad, you will go through each model, they'll move, they'll perform their actions, your opponent can react to those. Now, unlike Infinity, if you've ever played it, Infinity has no limit on its reactions whatsoever. If you put a sniper down a hallway, he can literally fire 30 times in a round given the right situation. Heavy Gear doesn't do that. There's a flat limit on the number of actions a model can do. And if you shoot somebody in response to them doing something, that counts as your action. So it's a very um, action economy focused game on that. A lot of movement. Um, it's very easy to play the game in your opponent's side of the table and in their deployment zone if you are so inclined. And there's a rather unique objective system in army construction. So I don't know how familiar anybody is with 40k. Um, 40k is a faction called the Death Watch. And the way that the Death Watch work is a lot of their squads are kill teams. The kill team is a core group, and then you can add a bunch of optional stuff. Heavy Gear kind of works that way. When you build a squad in Heavy Gear, you do not build a squad of X. You pick a role for that squad to fulfill. General purpose, strike, fire support. When you build the squad, you can include anything in the army that satisfies that role. And that role is listed on their profile. So, you know, a model might be general purpose, strike, and fire support. It can be included in squads of those types. There's a minimum squad size, there's a maximum squad size, that's it. And those are the entities you'll alternate activating back and forth. So on my turn, I'll go with a squad, they'll do all their stuff, one model by model, and then my opponent gets to go, and we repeat this until the end of the round. Um, the, go ahead. Question on that. Sorry. So it's, it's all technically alternating activations with interruptions, you know, mm -hmm. if I want to, um, on uh, that type of thing. Whenever I move an entire squad, how many actions and stuff do I get to do? 
So each model has on its profile how many actions it can do. And the typical um, is? One. One action? Okay. One action. There are... A, two is not unheard of. It's not especially common. Three is the reserve of things like heavy tanks. And anything higher than three is usually some kind of super heavy. Okay. So it's pretty universally one. And when the squads go, this isn't like, okay, the squad goes. It's still model by model. So just I pick the squad. This guy's going to go. He's going to move here and shoot this and then move over here. Because you can interrupt a movement or something. So you go through that individual model by model within the squad. And yeah, it's one action for most guys. It's listed on their stat blocks. You can upgrade it in some cases, but it's usually pretty consistently just one. Now... I can just take an entire squad of shotguns, an entire squad of sniper rifles, and do that, right? Uh, you can, with one exception. So, in heavy gear, there's the models come with various weapon loadouts. Again, think like a Battletech. There's all the different variants, or the Clan Omnimex are a really good example, where there's a lot of modifiable variants. Mm -hmm. Those are all listed separately in the rules, um, under the generic heading of model. So it'd be like... Hunter is one of the, the northern models, and then you've got all of the different weapon loadouts for the Hunter, and they're all listed separately. They're called variants. You may have up to two copies of every variant in a squad, and then that's the limit. So two so shotguns, two sniper rifles. Yeah, you can have two shotguns, two sniper rifles. Um, some things do let you have more than that number. Um, for example, the regular, just generic Hunter is unlimited in certain places. But yeah, you're usually going to be limited to two of something. Uh, WYSIWYG is a thing. Yes, yes WYSIWYG is 100% a thing. You can model everything in this game. Yeah. Pretty I mean, much. If, if, if you're playing with your friends and you've got like, this is supposed to be Bazooka, your friends are probably not going to give a damn. But I mean, yes. And the thing is, is the sprue has a ton of things on it. So you'll have options and you could technically i wouldn't say magnetize but you could pin it and just use like you know a uh, paper clip and just kind of push it on type thing if you wanted to change like a certain gun yeah and a lot of the weapons come in different sizes so there's light medium heavy there's a light medium heavy part out there for all of them um if it comes if the model's available to take it it usually is going to come with it um, some stuff has been added on later that has to be purchased separately, but on the whole, they tend to come with pretty much everything you need to make the the, the, ba the baseline variants for it. And um, you can fully WYSIWYG it. Um, the only thing that's not WYSIWYG is like um, some of the, the co computer system-based upgrades, where it's like, I have, you know, an advanced targeting system. There's not a part for that. Yeah. But that's also kind of hard to represent. You gotta open up inside the mech, repaint it, you know, a, a blue since it's Etsy type thing. Well, you gotta core it out, and um, yeah. Um, okay, so dice rolls in the game, because um, this is gonna be, you know, the kicker. How are dice rolls done in the game mechanic? Sure. So it's a D6 system. It's only D6s. When you do anything, you will build a dice pool. Um, it starts with two dice base. And you're going to add things for weapons rate of fire. You're going to add things for I caught my opponent in the rear arc. Maybe you're going too fast. That might degrade the number of dice you have. You then roll all of them. And you pick out the highest results. And then you go look at your profile. Every model has a stat block. There's gunnery, which is used for shooting. Piloting, which is used for melee attacks and dodging. 
and electronic warfare. All of them are stats like four plus, five plus, three plus. Every other die in the roll, except for the highest die, that equal or exceeded those that number adds one to your highest die roll. So it's a so, little weird the first time you hear it. So if I, if I say I have four dice and I, my skill is a three, I roll those four dice. The first three is my target number, and any number well, after that that is three the or high, higher. The highest, the highest die gets pulled out regardless okay. of what it is. And then every other die that is a three or better will add one to it. Gotcha. So you could theoretically roll a nine. Yeah, six plus three. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And then this uses a, a opposed dice mechanic where if I'm shooting at you, you're going to roll a dodging roll. And maybe you get a seven. I win the roll. I win the roll by two. That's going to affect how much damage I do and what effects you take from the attack. So it's not just a matter of I hit you. I need to hit you really, really hard, and I need you to roll poorly to get the best effect. Cool. Okay, so, so it will active during your turn too, which is good. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the ability to be active in, on both turns because you also have the ability to react after that thing shoots, and you can shoot it back if you're you the mechanics are into it. But that does take mm -hmm. up your action to do it. Um, yeah, that's that's the big trade-off. Somebody mentioned they weren't a big fan of Infinity System on there. Um, that's the big difference is you are fundamentally limited. You can't just set up a sniper in an Overwatch position and expect him to ping every single thing that pokes its head out. It's going to get one shot. And usually those reaction shots aren't as good as your regular turn shots. Um, not because there's any inherent penalty, but there's a few as a consequence of this penalties. Like um, Heavy Gear has an order system. Your squad leaders can issue orders to their, their um, squad mates. You aren't going to get those if it's not your turn, usually. So there's one of those that adds an extra die when you attack. You aren't going to get that on your opponent's turn. So there is a trade-off. Um, so you want high-skilled troopers with a lot of dice to be... Uh... So theoretically, if you get extra dice for rate of fire, you want a rate of fire guy to let the suppressive fire down because you get more dice without the order. One of the most Stuff terrifying like things is a Gatling gun. It's one of the best reaction weapons in the game. Because, it be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's two dice, and um, it has a rule called burst, which is the rate of fire, effectively. It's burst two, so it rolls two extra dice whenever it shoots. It's just passively rolling four dice. You can get it on a guy who's got a gunnery stat of two plus, He's going to roll his high die, and every other die that's a 2-plus adds 1. It averages like a 9 or something like that on average, or something ridiculous. Yeah, sounds um, pretty good. One of the things that you were talking about was electronic warfare, and when we hear that and we hear Infinity, we all kind of cringe because that is like one of the I mean, coolest but worst mechanics. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so there's no, there's no programs or anything. There's none of that. Yeah, so here's the thing. We actually, um, one of the cool things about Heavy Gear is it has attracted a lot of people who are former or active military. So the guy who writes Heavy Gear is actually a Navy vet, and he consulted with a bunch of actual electronic warfare guys on how that works. So electronic warfare, you can, essentially offensively, you can hack something, you can jam something, or you can put out a uh, white noise bubble. So if I hack something, it basically launches a almost a DDoS attack on the soft on the hardware, and it temporarily disrupts the opponent's systems, and it doesn't stop them from doing anything, but it's going to heavily penalize their next uh, few actions. And that's just a contested roll? 
It's a um, so by default is a contested role. Um, the attacker is going to use their electronic warfare stat. The defender uses their electronic warfare stat. Usually, if you're doing this, you have better stats and equipment. Um, for example, one thing you can have is an electron um, an ECCM suite, electronic counter countermeasures, mm -hmm. which in the real world are just signal boosters. Mm -hmm. So it's boosting your signal. You can use it offensively, and it's like, hey, now I have a, a harder-hitting hacking attack. It can do damage, potentially, and um, like I said, the big thing is it's going to degrade your opponent's uh, dice rolls for a round. You can jam their communications. So one of the things Heavy Gear does is there are commanders. They can issue orders. These orders are very important. If I hit you with a jamming roll, you're jammed, and you can't issue orders for a turn. Um, one cool thing I like about Heavy Gear is in a lot of games, the commander is usually in the biggest, most badass combat unit you can find. Think of like a Warhammer. Usually in Warhammer, who, who's, who's your general? Who's your warlord? It's usually going to be something that hits like a truck. In Heavy Gear, you want it to be the little guy with the electronic warfare suite and the communications hardware to actually issue and get commands through. And that's usually not an offensive weapons platform. So um, you're finding out, how do you win the game? Is it I wipe you out, I automatically win? Um, no. Um, it's objective-based. Okay. The objectives, there are no missions in Heavy Gear. So if you were to play like a Warhammer um, or an Infinity, it's like, okay, we're playing this mission, here's our objectives. Heavy Gear doesn't do that. After deployment, you actually generate the mission on the spot using the types of squads you've added to your army. For example, you aren't going to send tanks to, rec to recon an objective. You're not going to send a heavy tank unit to do that. Now, I I've heard people say, well, you don't always have the right troops in the right place. You're right. The thing is, we're dealing with a more special operations field here. Like, you haven't heard of Steiner's Health Squad? Yeah, like a Steiner Scout Lance. <laughs> um, but, like, the thing with a lot of these units is they... A division has a lot of integral assets to it. If it needs to do something, it can send a recon company out. Mm -hmm. It can send a recon squad out. So Heavy Gear leans into that and says the types of squads you chose dictate the objectives you're allowed to generate for your mission. So starting with the first player, they're going to pick a squad to generate an objective, and then it goes over to the opponent to generate an objective. Do I get to know what my opponent's objectives are? Yep, there's okay. no hidden information, and your opponent's objectives are worthless to you. You do not score anything for them. You only score off of your own objectives. Gotcha. So you want to deny theirs, you want to get yours, and a standard game size, you're both going to generate three objectives. Um, so it, it could be wipe out that squad, grab those two objectives, and scan the enemy commanders for information. That's a valid mission you could generate. But that requires uh, certain troop, type, troop types. And if is, you don't have them, you may not get them. Is it limited turns? Like five turns? Yep. Um, default four. Default four. It's a four-round game, which doesn't sound like a lot, um, but it really pushes that action economy, and it really means you got to get going and get aggressive. Which, yeah, I like that. It means you have to start keep your eye on the prize, so to speak. You don't. You can't just lollygag around shooting shit until you get to the point where you can just achieve your shit. you got to start off achieving your shit. Yeah, yeah, and the game's it, played on a 4x4 four four typically, correct? 4x4 four four or 4x6 four for the 150 standard. Mm -hmm. So a full-size game, they'd recommend a 4x6. You can play it on a 4x4. Four four. 
I'd go with the four by six, a little more breathing room. Gotcha. I've only played it on a four by four, but I mean, mm-hmm. never, we, never... we also played a 75 point game. Yeah. That was Just the size of that. Um, all right. Um, anybody have any questions about heavy gear, the, the miniature game? Cause I wanted, I wanted Nick to at least before we get to the media section and everything, make sure he has enough time or whatever they want to talk about the RPG. Cause that's coming up. John, do you have any questions also? No, no. I mean, actually, honestly, in the chat room, looks like Goochman is a fan of you guys, and he is answering a lot of questions. Thank you, Goochman. Yeah, um, yeah it, 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 it is a giant robot game, but at the same time, it does differentiate itself from Battletech, from Alpha Strike. Yeah, I mean, it, it, objectives. You have <laughs> objectives. I know it's the craziest thing ever. I know. And I, mean, I like that you don't you don't lose if you you don't lose if you lose all your models. If you've completed more objectives, you can still win, and I like that. Yeah, I, I've won games with, like, one infantry squad hiding in the back. Just like, please don't kill us, please don't find us. I mean, I like it. Okay, so one of the things I like about this, not only I've, you and I have played the game, and you and I have I've looked over games and we've talked about it, uh, is price point. 65 bucks, and I pretty much have an entire army. Now, I did order a couple of other models from you, like I ordered a troop pack and um, my... Sitting back there, waiting for delivery. <laughs> waiting to get it to you. Oh, is it in? <laughs> yeah, it's in. It's in. It just came in. And what was the other thing that I got? The uh... Uh, you got a Hussar, which is a uh, transforming tank walker. Yes. Yeah. It, it, is the, it is the size of a battle mech. Yeah, and it has Gatling guns on it too. Awesome. That's so. cool. And I will let everyone know that you can easily find all of their books on Drive Through RPG. While we were talking, I have downloaded all of the current books, the Force <laughs> Compendium and the rule books. Uh, it's super easy and free. So just check Heavy Gear and then make sure it describes under every item. It'll say, this is not the current rule book. Or it'll say, this is the current rule book. Make sure you read that and you'll be all good. Yeah. Um, it's the one good. you're looking for is Heavy Gear Blitz 3rd Edition. Um, mm-hmm. Rule book and Force Compendium. Um, the Force Compendium might get one last round of revisions. We just sent it off for test printing. I just got the email for that. So unless something weird happens, we should be fine. But if something weird, something weird might happen. And let me say hats off for making an ebook edition of that, so I can read it on my Kindle. That is super awesome. <laughs> ebook PDF. If you get the PDF, it's um, it's fully um, bookmarked and everything, so you can just go find spots for it. Plus, the paper terrain stuff is a super awesome add-on, must I say. That's just a good idea to add on to there. Yeah, because this is actually, uh, it's not heavy terrain, but it has, you know, it. you want a decent amount of terrain. How many pieces of terrain do you think should be on the table? Um, It's kind of hard to say because it's more like you want to make sure there's line of sight blocking and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's not infinity. It's not 40K. It's probably somewhere in the middle. Gotcha. And the, the, the terrain sizes are... Much smaller than those anyway, so I mean, you could yeah, get those. And, and the other thing is, it's one one forty four scale, which is really close to a couple model railroad scales. And a lot of that model railroad stuff converts over very nicely. God, that's that makes it so easy. Everyone, <laughs> and let me just say out there, anyone who's making a miniatures game, if you can be close to a model railroad scale, just do it. Holy crap, it makes things so easy. Yeah. Type thing. Um. Okay. Uh, if you have any more questions about Heavy Gear or the miniature game, go ahead and put it in there. Um, definitely go check them out on Facebook. I wanted to talk about the RPG because you actually came to me whenever you were talking about this, about an RPG. And I had, I had, I don't believe I still have it, all the original Heavy Gear stuff. 
And while I love the world and I love the mechs and all that stuff, the the addition I had, holy crap, you had to know trig and calculus just to do some shooting. Have y'all tried and fixed that to make it where it is a much easier and less complicated game? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> oh, Gonzo, I, that, that just sounds like a challenge to me. Because every time I hear that, I hear people talking about my favorite games. I'm like... You don't actually need to know that. You just need to know the rules. Come on, man. Yeah. Well, because we tried it out, and while we liked, you know, we like being able to have like our own little squad of guys and doing special missions and stuff. Some of the things to do, like shooting off missiles and all this other thing, there was a lot of math involved. Um, so it, it got changed up. Um, when are we going to see the new RPG? Are we gonna anytime soon? Well, so we're looking to kick. Um, it's going to go through Kickstarter, um, mostly because we just want to get a whole bunch of art done. Um, okay. We're going to have the rules done before the Kickstarter starts, so it's going to go through Kickstarter for art. Primary reason being art, plus we can do a bunch of other stuff with it. Um, that's looking to be March of next year. That being said, um, we will have open beta starting on the first of the year is the plan. And also, we will be doing a closed beta starting next month, which is basically either us directly or somebody we know very closely. Gotcha. Always got to protect property. Uh, um, Engineers is asking, is the Arena stuff still part of the game? So Arena is a separate game in Heavy Gear that you can play. It's for um, gladiatorial combat, basically. Mm -hmm. That hasn't had an update in a while. Um, however, all of the Arena stuff exists in Heavy Gear. So all the models transfer over. Um, some of the weapons don't transfer over to Blitz. Um, the RPG does, though. Okay. Um, if you were going to make a comparison and you were going to say why why you should play Heavy Gear, what would you say? So, um, What's your selling point? Or just general? Uh, all of them. The RPG, the miniature game everything why would you say hey i want to get in this miniature game but you know i've got war machine and hordes i've got marvel crosses protocol i got 40k um what is your selling point to playing i have BattleTech per se what's the selling point what's going to get so let's start the top giant robots giant robots are always cool um a deep and complex fiction universe um okay. there is a lot of books there is a lot a lot of books and they go into some incredibly minute detail. Um, for example, I have the dates for every major holiday in every nation on Terra Nova. <laughs> like, it's that level of down down to the wire. Um, which doesn't sound that crazy until you realize that there's like 11 of them that that qualifies for. And they're all doing different things. Um, we also know all their full political structures, population, cities, and all that. So if you like a very rich and detailed world... It's got that in droves. Okay. The game itself, very low model count, uh, very low downtime. Your since you can react to your opponent, it is always going to be your turn to an extent. Um, not so it's good to pay. It's good to pay attention while your opponent's playing. Very much so. You may miss an opportunity and like, oh, oh, great. Um, also, very fast-paced game. When you only have four turns, a lot of stuff has to happen immediately. There is no downtime. There is no, I'll just take a turn and start seeing what I can take off the board. It doesn't quite work that way. The rules are free, and the actual core rules are only about 25 pages long. So it's really not that bad in comparison. 
And then on top of all that, like you said, price point. You can buy into the game for 60 to 70 bucks, depending on which starter box you get. Um, the average miniature cost after a box is about 12. And when you're playing 13 or 14 guys, one new model is a pretty big deal. There's also a fair bit of customization. Yes. A lot of things can be customized. There's a lot of things you can do with your army. Um, it does have systems like um, Infinity has sectorial armies, War Machine has theme forces. So if you want to have a very fluff-based army, you can do that. Um, they're actually very good. The game kind of assumes you're doing that. And it encourages nice 3D terrain, encourages verticality. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a selling point nowadays. I yep. mean, it's just because I had a discussion with one of my buddies about 2D terrain for War Machine of Hordes, and it was funny. It just hit me in the right moment. Uh, Mo's Magic has a question. Is it point-based unit building, or do you point-based miniatures within the unit? It's points per model. So when you build a squad, it'll be, okay, we mentioned actions before. Each model has an action stat. A squad is four to six total actions of the same role. So I could have four one-action guys, two three-action guys, anywhere in there. You pay points per model because the squads, there aren't any. It's you decide this is the type of role I want the squad to fulfill. You can put things that have that role in the squad. So it's threat value. Is that what it's called, the points value? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, they use threat value. It's again, it's kind of harkening back to the um, the older eras in the RPG where this was an RPG fundamentally. Um, imagine if D and D came out with a miniatures game. They'd probably call their points challenge rating. I mean, they did. I don't remember it, what they called it though. They did. But um, I don't remember the that. Premise was like, how, how threatening is the bad guy? Well, that's that's what you're really concerned about. So they call it threat value. Yeah. Oh, and they got close combat weapons. Yes, they oh, do. Okay. Yeah, they have close combat weapons. Um, I see. To me, the selling point was one: it's mechs. Two: it's, it's inexpensive uh, compared to a lot of miniature games. And three: you could get I mean, a bunch of friends in on this, and nobody felt like they've wasted. And I put quotes around "wasted" a ton of money. I mean, let's also be honest: free rules are a hell of a selling point. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially when you can you can do everything and get it on there. Um, I know. Uh, Nick, locally, uh, you're doing what a Monday night? Uh, is it Monday night? Uh, uh, heavy gear yep. league. So it, it's it's Monday night heavy gear of some sort. Um, right now, it's alternating between Blitz and RPG because they have volunteered to be an RPG alpha test guinea pig group. Good. Oh, awesome. Uh, also, uh, I missed almost missed it. Kuchman wondered what about Jovian, which I'm assuming is somewhat Jovian Chronicles. Jovian Chronicles. Um, not my area. Fair enough. Um, that's <laughs> the long and short of it. Um, that being said, there hasn't been a lot of movement on that front. We acknowledge that, and we're hoping to fix it. Um, it's just my eyes on RPG. Fair enough. So, and, uh, Unshockingly, I, I told you beforehand I'm a Battletech guy. I'm actually more of a Robotech guy, so Jovian Chronicles definitely seems like my cup of tea. Jovian Chronicles is, for those of you who are, are um, not having any idea what we're talking about, um, DreamPod 9 has a couple IPs. There's Tribe 8, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. which is an RPG, RPG setting. Heavy Gear, Jovian Chronicles, and Gear Creek, which is an alternate World War II. Think like Dust. Shares a lot of yes. similarities with that. 
Um, Jovian Chronicles is that Robotech Macross Gundam massive scale space opera where you have multiple capital ships, squadrons of mecha flying around, explosions everywhere. It is much more that sci-fi space opera. Uh, they are mostly because, like I said, I was working at Alliance Game Distribution when this stuff was coming out, so I got to peruse it as it came out. It all looked interesting, but at that point, oh, it's so much you can play in a, game, in a day, right? Mm-hmm. Only so much you can play. Um, like, there's those the things. Like, I, I don't have anything to do with Jovian Wars or Chronicles, not because I don't want to, just because I'm working on RPG, and holy crap, is that a lot of work in addition to a regular day job? <laughs> yes, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I, I really like Heavy Gear. Um, the The gameplay is very simple once you get the hang of it. I mean, it's just compare numbers, and you do it, and you get it. Um, marking off things. Uh, things can actually live quite a decent, unless they get hit for, what, double 14 points of damage in one hit or something like that, wouldn't it, Nick? So if you ever deal all of a model's hit points, starting hit points in one shot, it just pulled off the table dead. Otherwise, it's a wreck. So for most gears, it's six. For most tanks, it's eight. And if you just do all that in one shot, they just die. But I mean, the the ability for armor and all that stuff helps out a lot. Um, I also... That melee weapon I was looking at does seven damage. That's legit. Yeah, um, your average starting armor for most models is six to seven. So the the way that damage works is the damage of the weapon plus how much you won the roll by Minus the target's armor is what you do in damage. So you want to roll really well, and you want them to roll really poorly, and you can just one-shot them. Fair enough. Yeah, I thought I, I and I like the ability. Like if you're going to be taking out, um, you've got your your little troop of squads, and another group is trying to take out that one model that's there, um, and they're shooting them up and shooting them up, and you know that the next shot is probably going to take him out you can react to the last shot and maybe do some damage before you're wiped out. So you've, you've got you've got a way to mitigate some of that wiped out dam- wiped out model. Um, it does take up your action, but who cares because the model's going to be dead before your action comes around. So I really I like I like that aspect and it's not like I said the infinity where it's inf- infinite reactions, it's you know your one action. You got to save it and make sure you got a good shot. Yep. Infinity, I, a lot of times when I play Infinity, it's like, you didn't declare a shot at me. I'm going to take my random. I might hit you on a three. Yeah. Yep. It's a little, I don't know, best words, egregious at points. Yeah. And it can, can, I, can slow, down, I, slow down gameplay, too. I, I saw one sniper do 14 reaction shots in one turn one time. And it was in a fire team, so it was all two shots in reaction. So a guy with a sniper rifle did 28 shots on my turn? Oh, I mean, I did suppressive fire with a um, the big Haka Slum tank. I forget the name of it off the top of my head. Uh, um, Margariba. Yeah, the Margariba guard. And it just, like, I mowed down like 10 guys. It was stupid. Yeah. The 11th got me, but hey, <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's the reason why I like this. I really like the game. The game's a lot of fun. Um, I think it's like really easy to convince people to play into it because of the price mm-hmm. point. 
Yeah, the price point's great. Yeah. I love that you pointed out that there's a lot more history than maybe we think. I mean, I know it's been around for a while, but it doesn't click in my head that it has as deep a history as something like Battletech because it doesn't have maybe the novel support that Battletech did by being sort of the early dog out there and, and you know, having that fast of money to put it out there with the, the Shadowrun and everything else books and sort of just, just flood the market, so to speak. Yeah, there aren't any heavy gear novels, unfortunately. Um, that'd be nice. Something that's yeah, on the wish list. Um <laughs> But, yeah, there's a whole lot of RPG source books. Um, every nation has at least one book. There's multiple old vehicle compendiums that go through page-long histories of these vehicles and their production histories. And, I mean, you can tell down to the penny how much some of this stuff costs to buy for the actual militaries that use it. It's that level of detail. So. All right. John, do you have any other questions? I do not. I don't see any other ones here. I didn't see any other ones. Um, Nick, we're going to jump over to the media section uh, real quick and make sure everything's working there. Uh, uh, there was one question while you're doing that. Um, how often is the storyline going forward? Oh. oh. So the storyline has not moved forward in about eight years, and that's mostly because of the same reasons why I'm now on board working on the RPG. Um, there were some weird company dynamic issues. A few things came to a head at that point, and they kind of had to scale back some of that. Um, ideally, the story moves forward on about a yearly, potentially, basis. And that is something that, with the RPG coming out, we are moving the storyline forward, talking about, well, what does future expansions look like? And you know, about yearly would be the hope. Which uh, question? Any Going with that storyline, any idea of a uh, alien race? Non-human. Uh, um, Hell Hydra, that, everybody. That is, not, that is not planned. Um, Heavy Gear very much is about the human drama. Gotcha. So it's kind of... There's there's a certain Battletech dynamic to it where Battletech doesn't need aliens because A, they have the clans, which is close enough, and B, it's all about humanity screwing itself over. Plus, <laughs> the one time they introduced aliens in one book, no one ever speaks of it ever again. <laughs> oh, far Oh, far <laughs> um, that being said, Heavy Gear still has a lot of unexplored territory in its universe. Um, Terra Nova is just one colony world out of ten, and we've only explored four others at this point. So we've got about five of them just being blank slates. Mostly blank slates. There's a little bit of baseline history to them. There's some information, but you know, a lot of them is just nothing. Like, there's one planet in there called New Jerusalem that was literally bought by the Catholic Church. Earth sent a fleet there, and it just disappeared. That's always good. <laughs> like, they got fragmentary messages that suggested a bunch of the fleet defected and just left, and that was the last thing that they heard. So, that's a great area. There's, there's multiple planets like that. And if you dig deep enough in the fluff, you can even find some more stuff. It's funny how close some of it is to Infinity backstory, and Infinity came, you know, 20 plus years later. It, it is. It's a really. Maybe 20 years. Maybe not quite. Something like that. Yeah. So, this is our media section where we talk about pretty much anything and everything that have happened media wise. We do have a rating scale, we actually have two rating scales. Uh, one rating scale is 
Casablanca to Cats on a scale. Uh, Cats being the worst movie ever made. Casablanca being the greatest movie ever made. And then we have yeah. And then we have a second rating scale based on Ice Pirates uh, for a number of space herpes. The more space herpes, the worse the movie is. AKA Casablanca is zero space herpes and Cats is five space herpes. So we have our rating scale. Did you watch any movies or TV shows that you would like to rate and tell us about it? Uh, no spoilers. We, if it's a brand new, cause we're, you know, we still do, do like to keep with that. I haven't watched anything, especially recently. If there's anything somewhat recently you want to talk about just yeah. on your mind, by all means. Did you guys already rant about the new Transformers? No. I have not, actually. I no. don't watch a lot of that media uh, on Netflix. You know, I don't have quite that time, unfortunately. I mean, I can talk about that one. Go for it. By all means, so, talk to the it, it, it's, it's not, especially the last part of it came out, and I think the rest of it's been like six, eight months or something like that. Yeah. It's, an, it's a Netflix original animation of the Transformers series. Um, yeah. Yeah, if you're a Transformers fan... You can appreciate the first one. The second one's okay. Um, just pretend the third one doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be okay. I've heard a lot of mixed about the Transformers. It also makes me unwilling to spend my limited time watching it. Yep. They're not that long, and the first one is a it's a prequel to Before They Leave Cybertron. So it's all on the planet. You see that conflict. It's not bad. It's not amazing. It's not bad. The second one is better narratively but weaker character wise i've never wanted to strangle optimus prime before but that happened <laughs> you should well okay i have wanted to strangle optimus prime once but that was uh uh the last night whatever that the, the most recent I, I live action movie those don't exist i'm pretend okay i'm talking the animated ones i know i'm just of I, all the animated ones this is like oh my god i want to strangle you shut the hell up um, and then the third one came out, and the third one tied into the Beast Wars. Now, I grew up with the Beast Wars. I have a certain degree of affection for this. Um, my response after watching it was kill it with fire. Okay. <laughs> um, they do some things I can appreciate. The rest of it is just, oh, my God. No. No, 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 no. <sighs> so I, I don't want to spoil a bunch of it, but... Let's see if this. They, um, you can tell where the budget went, and you can tell where the budget didn't go, and they're not where they probably should have. Which is funny because the last thing I watched animated was the Machinima, one of their animated series. It was actually pretty good. <laughs> it's it disappoints me that Netflix gets it so damn wrong. Yeah. Um. There's some weird voice acting choices. Um. The biggest complaint that I would have is when, when you get to the final act, they kind of retcon the entire series to an extent, or a part of it, where it's okay. like they, they do something at the end of the second one, and then they get to where that ties in at the third one, and it's like, oh, by the way, this happened. It's like, that's not how that scene read. Okay. So there's a little weirdness there. Um However, if you do want a good one that I have watched recently, there's an anime called The 86 Out. Um, I'd recommend that one. It's fairly short. So what do you give the Transformers from a 0 to 5? 0 being the best and 5 being the worst. How many Spray Serpies does it get? 
think it's four. Okay. There's 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 a little bit of redeem or redemption there. Um, but my God, whoever approved some of those voice acting choices, I need to have words with. <laughs> when it, when I heard that we're getting Peter Cohen, you get like, what? So You're still here voice acting? Why aren't you getting Peter Cohen? He is fucking well, Optimus Prime. Yes. Get Peter Cohen. And then they did the Beast Wars. And the thing about the Beast Wars is all of those actors are still around and still very active in recording stuff for Transformers. Yeah. So they didn't get um, David um, David K. And I'm totally blanking on the, uh, God, the, the other guy. Anyway, David K. is the big one because he did Beast Wars Megatron. The guy they replaced him with did a good job on a technical level. I wanted to gouge my ears out, though. Yeah, I mean, this is... If you're building a series based off so much nostalgia like Transformers, you gotta get as much as you can. They, yeah, they really dropped the ball on where that nostalgia should have come in. Uh, um, however, if you want a good one, I'd recommend a TV show called The 86. It is available on your anime streaming platform of choice. I think I watched it through Hulu. Um, no spoilers. I'd give it a, a one on that scale. There's some weirdness that happens, and it's like, other than that, nah, go watch it. What's the what's the premises of it? Um, there is a nation being invaded by bad guys, um, and it's told from the perspective of one of their command and control operators. They they're they're all a bunch of white people with white hair, every single one of them, and they make this big deal about how they're using all these drone armies to push back the invaders. This is not a spoiler. This is blown in the first two minutes. Um, everybody else is dumped in one last district, the 86th district, and is the soldiers. And they just pretend they don't exist. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's not so a spoiler. proper sci-fi telling some good uh, political, you know, sort of points. Yeah, yeah, you get through and it's like, kind of want the main protagonist to just die. <laughs> like, the main protagonist faction, like, you guys just need to die. That's very anime. <laughs> There's some cool fight scenes. There's some cool mecha designs. The base character dynamics work out pretty well. The characters aren't completely insufferable children. That's important. And there actually is a twist on the twist that's like, oh, that makes complete sense, yet somehow I didn't see that coming. Awesome. Got that on my list. Um, so I wanted to spoil this one last week, but we ran out of time. Um, this week, I'm going to talk about something that is on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it was one of Ed Asner's last uh, things he did, and he did uh, the voice uh, for the show Doug Days. Doug Days is like the sequel to Up, uh, where the dog and the old man are living together and just trying to live life. I'm going to tell you right now, if I could give something to Negative Space Herpes, I would give this Negative Space Herpes. This is such a lighthearted, loving, awe moment from start to finish. Um, the, the whole entire show is nothing but, especially hearing his voice now, it's like, oh shit, you get hit in the feels. It is such a good, and the, the episodes are like 15 minutes at that. And there's like eight of them. So it's, it's really quick. You can burn through it in no time whatsoever, but it is one of the most adorable, loving, cute shows in the world. Um, Doug is amazing. The jokes are great, um, because they, they do a, you know, who's on first type thing 
and it is just hilarious with Doug, because Doug is, Doug's one of the, you know, he's the idiot dog that you love, because he doesn't know, he doesn't know that he's an idiot, but it's just, it's very adorable, very cute, very loving, I uh, highly recommend it, I could give this zero space herpes. John, awesome. do you have anything? Well, I'm going to talk about, since I didn't watch any movies or anything this week, I'm going to talk about a YouTube channel I follow and watch quite a bit of. Uh-huh. And it's called The Lockpicking Lawyer. Oh, I love him. I've seen some of yeah. his stuff. He's amazing. Yeah, so, so he's super great. Uh, he will definitely put out all sorts of videos, mostly on locks. He will explain why the lock is generally bad, because mm-hmm. most of the time it's a bad lock. And he'll pick it in front of you, and you can learn a lot from him in addition to sort of get an idea of what you should be looking for in a lock. Mm-hmm. Spoiler, master locks are no bueno. No. But it's super great the way he explains it all. It is so good that when my buddy, um, Morton Joe, uh, you know him, Gonzo, uh, Joe who sent you a bunch of War Machine stuff for yep. uh, prizes and all, he came to our, our weekly lunch at Mission Barbecue and brought lock picks, which I have sitting over on the thing, and just test locks for us to test out. And Locking Lawyer is good enough that I was actually able to open a lock with just what I've learned from watching him play. Or watching him, him do stuff on his video. It's, it's play for him. You can tell that he's like, yeah, this is a piece of oh, shit. God. Watch me. <laughs> yeah, it is so great. I love watching him. And he goes into it. He'll go into such detail. He's got such a great voice for it. And he's just so perfect for that kind of thing. It's it's a great channel to watch. It's very good amusement. I watch this stuff while I'm eating dinner or what have you. And like I said, it's great. I suggest 100% uh, locking lawyer, lockpicking lawyer gets zero space herpes because he is super amusing and awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I've watched quite a few things. And, and, and like you said, I like that he goes, this people sent me this and they said that it's unpickable and blah, blah, oh. blah, blah, blah. It's all yeah, electronics. Stuff made here. Yeah. Which, yeah. Like, honestly, Stuff Made Here is another good channel, but yeah, absolutely. And, like, there was, like, this gun safe, and it was, like, fingerprinted or whatever, and he goes, watch this, and he takes, like, this little shim and, like, puts it to the back of it and unlocks it. And it was, like, like not even a snap of your fingers. He was, like, yeah. Like, he unlocked, like, like he unlocked guns, gun uh, locks on in, like, police cruisers with the most asinine things. Yeah. Like, it's crazy how unsecure things are, and it scares me a little bit, but it's also good to know, uh, you know, that that stuff's unsafe, so we can make the proper choices when we're buying locks. Yeah, he does, he does say a few times that, you know, the some people get mad at him for showing that their locks are crap locks, and some of them come up and go, hey, thanks for showing us, now we know how to fix that problem, and we'll make I it even better. those videos, yeah, where they're like, oh, look, he, you know, when the guy responds to it, like, oh, so-and-so, the, the, you know, the CEO of X company responded and they're going to look into that. It's great. Yeah. Which is good. Cause that's what you want. I mean, if I had a product that I think was unpickable, send it to him. He goes, this is what you need to fix it. Then you fix it. And then yeah. you send it back to him. And he's like, okay, you got to yeah, work on this a video where he does video, does lock two locks that were set by a, a guy another guy who's named stuff made here. Um, another good YouTube channel. And he not only does he go through picking them, he goes through what he can do to make them better. Yeah. And it's just great in general. Oh, yeah. Um, next one I watched, um, there is a uh, Hulu show called Reservation Dogs. Reservation Dogs is about a, a group of teenagers uh, and American Indians, uh, which is actually not too far from where I live, um, where they're, you know, I don't know if they're filming there, but where they're, they, they say they are. Um, 
And the story is about um, a group of teenagers and one of their friends commits suicide. And it's about them living on the reservation. Called, that's the reason why it's called Reservation Dogs. And I will tell you right now, this show is really, really good. Um, it, it's funny. Um, the kids are a laugh to watch. Um, every character, everybody on here is a great character. Um, it kind of starts off a little lighthearted and everything. And, you know, them doing pranks and all this other stuff. And you're laughing and cracking up about what's going on. And then it gets kind of serious into, you know, the suicide of this uh, young teen. And it, like this one, this last one was heavy on the feels. Um, I really recommend it. It's already got re renewed for a another season, which I'm glad. Um, it does touch on some subjects and everything that, you know, are relevant to today. Um, but I, I think they do it really well. I like it a lot. Uh, it comes on every Monday, so you can't binge watch it. Um, so you get it. Uh, but it, it is a Hulu show. Um, but I highly recommend it. Uh, right now, I give it probably like one to a half space herpes. Just because there's some things that are just a little off on it. But overall, it's a really good one. Uh, Where's it set? Where's it set? It's set in Oklahoma. Okay. Um, another one I wanted to talk about. I guess, did anybody else have anything they wanted? Nope, nope. Um, okay, so there is, of course, another Hulu series. Hulu is pumping out the series. Uh, called Why the Last Man. Um, oh, it okay. Based on the um, graphic novel, I think is what it was. Yeah, it was a.k.a. comic novel. book. Yeah. Um, the story is... Um, it's kind of set modern time, modern day, and something happens and everything with a Y chromosome dies. A bloody death. And the only thing is... This man and his monkey are alive. They're the only thing with a white chromosome left alive. Um, it is very dark, um, but it is very, very good. Um, of course, the cast is predominantly female. Um, like I said, the only male that they show 99% of the time is Y. Um, won't spoil anything. I think the first, like, four or so episodes are out. They're about an hour long, give or take. Um, but it is really, really good. Um, one of the few shows you, I have to sit down and do nothing with. I can't, you know, do something else while I'm watching this because of all the things going on. Um, they do start it off as in, you know, this is what it, it, it leads up to it. So, you know, certain things are happening. Um, and then like the second episode, all the people are starting to die. Um, I do like that they did modernize the story uh, because the guy, uh, one of the main characters, is like, "Well, all all the men dead," and she and the lady goes, "Everybody with a Y chromosome is dead," type thing, uh, representing for like transgenders and stuff like that. They actually, uh, I read an article where they were updating the story to represent that, which I thought was really good. Um, I highly recommend it if you have Hulu. Um, it's really good, uh, but it is kind of dark and, um, they do talk about pandemic and stuff like that. So, you know, if that's a little touchy for you right now, don't watch it. Wait. Um, I don't know how, if it's going to get a new season or if it's going to get renewed, I don't know if they're just going to like do 
the story and be done with it. Um, but it's picked up and it's done really well. Um, acting's done good, special effects, all that. Uh, I guess it's about a half or so space herpes because it does, you know, it is an hour long and some of the parts kind of go, okay, okay, okay. But when the story starts rolling, uh, it's rolling really good. And they do expand on other parts of the world where this happened. Like they talk about what happened in Russia and they have, you know, this part of the city, that part of the city. Yeah, it's very thing. global and the, and the groups and everything that are represented in it. Yes. Um, I'm really digging it. I like it a lot. Um, other than that, um, I didn't think I had much. Uh, what, the new What If came out. Didn't um, watch it in that time, unfortunately. I did. Me and Banyan couldn't connect and, and, and watch it. It was okay. No spoilers. It was okay. Um, <coughs> I would say it was probably like maybe a, maybe a two because it was just kind of like, okay, yeah, I got it. Eh. Seems like the other ones is kind of middle of the road is sort of the idea I'm getting from it. Yeah. There's no buzz about it, which kind of worries me. Yeah, they're just... It just Killmonger is just not like a, you know, a, a character that people really care about. Fair. Type thing. So, other than that, it's a multi-partner, isn't it? This is a, a Tony Stark and Killmonger story with Wakanda in it. So. Yeah, I don't think there's... Uh, but it's not a multi-partner. I haven't heard that they're going to do any multi-parts, but I've heard that they're building to something. So, interesting yeah. to see what it'll be. Yeah, it, it is. It is a single story, but it just it just kind of just meh. I don't yeah. care about. It's like Killmonger. Okay. Look, I mean, we weren't a fan of the zombie one, so at least it's up against that. <laughs> huh? It's up from there. Type things. Um, what else? That's pretty much about it. Um, guys, that's our podcast. We appreciate Nick you coming on and having a good time with us. Uh, that was a lot of good information. If you have any questions about heavy gears, you can always ask us and we'll direct you where you need to. Uh, check out DreamPod uh, 9's uh, Facebook page. Go to their website. They're all having a sale on all their models right now, so you could probably get some stuff really, really cheap and uh, get you and your friends. RPG and get their uh, rule books. Yeah, rule books are free. You can just download those and keep going. Um, guys, we're going to send you out to Vlieger Dragon um, and let y'all we'll let, let you raid V. Make sure when you're over there, give her a good follow, give her a good shout out. Make sure that you let them know that uh, we sent you. So That's why Kathy's so quiet. She's watching V. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so, for more than dice, I'm Gonzo. I'm John. And for Heavy Gear, that is Nick. Appreciate it. <laughs> good Sorry. night. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Khan is slightly drunk. Only slightly at this point. Only slightly. I wouldn't drive, but I'd go make it down the stairs without that. Anymore.